All right, welcome to episode 56 of the Bobbycast. Brought to us by 100 Flowers. Mother's Day is almost here. And for a lot of us, maybe you won't see your mom in person, but with 1-800-Flowers.com, you can still show her how much you care. Because right now, 1-800-Flowers, give my listeners of this Bobbycast an exclusive 30 for 30 offer. 30 assorted tulips for $30. That's only $1 a tulip. Simply pick your delivery day and let 1-800-Flowers handle the rest. With a bright, beautiful mix of orange and yellow, pink blooms, they will guarantee to show your mom how much she's loved. 1-800-Flowers. They cut them and send them off, and they're fresh. 30 assorted tulips for 30 bucks, but it expires. It says Tuesday. What's today? Tomorrow? I don't know. Just check it out anyway. Every bouquet is backed by a 100% smile guarantee. To order 30 assorted tulips for 30 bucks, 1-800-Flowers.com. Click the radio icon, enter bones. 1-800-Flowers.com. Click the radio icon, enter bones. All right, in with me now is Mike D., our producer, and Lindsay L., recording artist and close and personal to me. Hey, Mike D., talk. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I thought we'd spend this, because both of you guys have done something pretty remarkable, and Lindsay was already over at the house anyway, so I thought we'd take this time and talk about a couple of things. First of all, Mike D.'s marathon this weekend, which I think is a pretty cool thing, not just because of the marathon, but because of all the backstory leading up to it. And the backstory of Mike D., Mike D. was... How long ago did you start interning with me? Eight years ago. Eight years? Yeah. What made you want to intern on the radio show? Uh, at the time, I wanted to do a podcast, and I emailed you asking for advice on what to do. For a podcast? Yeah. Did I reply? And you were like, hey, just come up and watch uh, us do the show, and you'll get a better idea about it from there. Dang, that was so nice. I know. <laughs> I just invited you up? Yeah, just like I, that. Wait, I remember that, I think. Yeah. We took a picture outside in the hallway. Yeah. You replied back to me, got a date set up, and I went in there. So you went up and you watched the radio show, mm-hmm. and then what happened? And then I saw all the interns working outside, and they were like, hey, you could probably get an internship here, because I was going to college. So emailed from there, got an interview, and then started not too long after that, like a month. Wow. And so what did you do as an intern? I did a whole lot of random stuff. Started out a lot of coffee runs. No, I, I didn't drink coffee. So much for breakfast. Everybody else did, yeah, uh, breakfast. And then uh, I just started doing, like, finding kind of my way of showing what I could do. So I started, like, making games, learning the production side of everything. When you finished your internship, did you leave? I stayed around. Like, you just kept working? Yeah. I kind of pulled the ray and just stuck around. Until you got a weekend job? Yeah. So whenever you came, and we've talked about this before, but... How how much did you weigh then? Uh, at my heaviest, I was two eighty. And you're five seven. Yeah. So five seven two eighty, and right now you are. I am one right under one sixty, probably like one fifty five or one something like that. So you lost over one hundred twenty pounds. Yeah. And so over the past, I guess, two years or so now, you've went from losing a lot of weight to then you start working out and put on muscle a bit, mm-hmm. and then you decided to run your very first marathon. Yeah. So why why run a marathon? Well, I start like running was the way I I lost all the weight. It was just the easiest thing for me because I could just go outside and run, didn't have to go to a gym or anything. It didn't cost any money. Yeah, it was free, so it's kind of the first thing I gravitated towards. And then eventually, I got to a point where I was just getting up there in the teens, and it was kind of easy for me. The teens of, of miles? miles. Wow. Yeah, so I went from not being able to run one mile to easily running ten. 
Did you ever in your head go, okay, I'm going to lose a whole lot of weight? Or was it, let me just see how far this goes. No, like initially I just wanted to go down. It was mainly like clothes was a big thing for me. Like I wanted to wear cool clothes. And the clothes I wanted to wear weren't in the sizes that I was hitting now. So I was like, okay, if I could just go down a clothes size, I'd be all right. And I didn't necessarily assign like a, a weight that I wanted to lose at the beginning. It was more like a, of getting to like a certain kind of physical state. So you would go into a store, and what what size would you ask for? What would you need? I started needing like 2X shirts, and I think like pant sizes. I was going into like size 40 or something like that. And they didn't have those they for the most part? They didn't have those in like the kind of stuff that I wanted to wear. And you went to wear punk goth stuff, right? Yeah. Like black, like All punk. black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, tattered, Twilight. Yeah, yeah, you want to be stuff. like Twilight <laughs> vampire. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So that was the goal was just to wear cooler clothes at first. Yeah. And so you start to lose a little bit. And as you start to progress, are you like, man, I can actually lose more and more? Like, were you getting excited by the results? Yeah. Like once I lost the first 30 pounds, it was like, wow, this is actually something I could do. And that's really all the motivation I needed to keep going. And then from there is when I actually set the goal of losing 100 pounds. I was like, if I can do that, that would be awesome. So you set a goal to lose 100 pounds. Yeah. How long until you lost the first 100 pounds? Uh, it was a year. Took a year to lose 100 pounds? Year, yeah. Were there ever any times where you just went back and, and just binge ate? Like where you're like, okay, I can't do this and just went off the rails? Not like slipping. Like I would set days of kind of like cheat days where I would allow myself some stuff. But even those kind of started to become more like I don't even want to do this to myself anymore. Like at the beginning I kind of needed it a little bit just to keep my sanity because I mean going from – eating that way all the time to not it kind of that's how i would mess up so many times before i would just revert back to eating that way did you ever get sick because your body was in shock from, yeah yeah from going from just all junk or all certain types yeah. of food like did your body just go boom what is happening to me it, it was rough like the first i guess month maybe even longer than that my stomach was just always like I would have to like drink so much water just to kind of take away like the weird pains I would have and kind of just because it was my stomach shrinking essentially and getting used to eating good stuff instead of just all the junk food I was eating. So you're down 120 pounds and you lose 100 pounds a year later and it's 100 pounds where you're like, oh, I'm kind of out, I'm done, I'm good at 100 or were you motivated to lose more or was it to gain muscle? Like what was the thought after 100? Because you're not going to go 200. Yeah, after 100... Um, the year after that was mainly keeping it off. It was kind of the test of like, all right, everybody's seen that I can lose the weight, and they're kind of getting to know me now as you know this person who lost the weight. And it's like, okay, I want to just maintain this, not focus so much more on losing more weight, but just not going back to how I was before. How did you feel about being known as the guy who was the weight loss guy? It was weird. Still kind of weird for me. <laughs> like Weird good, weird bad, or just... It's, it is what it is, and it's good, but you'd rather be known for something else if you have to be known for something. I, it was weird the first year just because people were like, you're so skinny now. Like, It was weird being called skinny. Like, I didn't feel it at the first year. It was weird getting adjusted to, and a lot of people asked me for advice, and I didn't feel like I was in a place to give advice because I just did you know, what worked for me, and it was hard for me to tell somebody else, well, you should do this, you should do that because everybody's different. So that part was kind of hard getting used to. But you're able to buy all the cool vampire clothes at this I point. I got all the vampire wardrobe, yeah. Skin tight. 
So <laughs> you decide you want to run a marathon. When, when did that happen in your head? Um, probably like four or five months ago because I had run a half marathon and that was not as hard as I thought it was going to be. And then once I just saw how much I was running on a weekly basis, I was like, you know, I can run 13 miles pretty easily. <laughs> so going for that next big step, it gave me something to kind of train for. And I just decided to do it. So what was the longest before your marathon this past weekend that you'd ever run at one time? 20 miles. Okay, but was there that much of a difference at <laughs> 20 and 26? See, I didn't think it was going to be. But those last six miles were the hardest of the whole thing. Do you think it was mental because you knew you'd run 20 before and everything else was like extra, like uncharted territory? Maybe a bit. It was also the hottest part of the entire marathon. Were you also running at a faster pace because of maybe adrenaline? Adrenaline, yeah. That did get me in the beginning because I got to 20 miles in two and a half hours, which was the fastest I've ever run. Like, I had, like, a seven-and-a-half-minute mile up to that. That's crazy. And then around that point, it just kind of hit me. I hit a wall. Um, the course was just a straightaway of nothing, and it felt like I was going in one direction forever, and it was never going to turn back. So I think mentally it kind of started to break down on me. As you did the last mile or so, do you remember it all, or did it get kind of blurry? It started to get blurry. Yeah. It really did. Like, I, I looked at the marker, and I saw that I had one more mile to go, and... My feet were moving, but, like, my head was just, like, in the mentality of, like, I have to finish. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I, I didn't – I never stopped. I just kept going. And then eventually I heard Lindsay <laughs> and Nana cheering me on. And did you see the finish line? Like, did you know it was right there? I really didn't. Like, I really remember hearing Lindsay and Nana <laughs> to my left, and then I remember taking a turn, and then the next thing I know, I'm in a – they're escorting me to the medical tent. Like, they, like, straight up put a, a medal over my neck. I don't remember that. And I remember they started asking me questions to, you know, make sure I was okay, like, screening me. And I kind of remember that. I just remember, like, hitting stop on my app to make sure that I calculated my time as I crossed. But I really don't remember it. And I think I saw a picture of me crossing the finish line, and I looked pretty terrible. <laughs> do you remember talking to me on FaceTime? I do. You do remember that? I do. Because I was in California, and we had FaceTime, and you were out of it a bit. That's when I was kind of coming back a little bit. I'd had some Gatorade with salt mixed in it, and they iced me down. But I was still kind of... Were you worse than the other people, or was everyone like you? I think I was kind of worse than the other people, but there was a lot... I think after me, they started getting more people who, you know, the heat got to them. You won the race, though, right? I won the race. Okay, that's what I was looking for. Because yeah. anything less would not be worth it. <laughs> so, you, you do the marathon... And you did say to me that it was the first time you'd ever been proud of yourself. Yeah. What do you mean by that? I've never, I don't know, like out of everything I've done. After losing 100 pounds, after you losing proud of yourself. I wasn't really proud of myself. I felt like that was something I needed to do. After getting a full-time job in radio. Yeah. You weren't proud of yourself. No, I, I wasn't. I don't know why. Like it's something, like I've always seen those things as stuff I needed to do and that I was going to do anyway. But this was like the first thing I did that it, it was just something I was like, okay, I'll probably never do this in my life. Like I saw people, I would go watch people run marathons. Like my sister would do half marathons and I would go see her and I'd see people doing full marathons of like 26.2 miles. I could never do that. Right. And to go from a point where I was, you know, 
280 pounds sitting on the couch, not even wanting to go for a walk, and then getting to a point to where I could run that far for that long, just the amount of time it takes. I mean, it's almost four hours. And when I finally did, I was like, dude, I'm actually proud of myself. Like, wow. Do you feel like because of your story that pretty much anybody can do anything now? I, you were like in a really bad place and now yeah. it's a really great do – you, do you feel that way? I really do feel that way. And I know it's like you hear people say, if I can do it, you can do it. But like for me, like I was there. I was at the bottom. I hit my rock bottom and I made the turn to you know, completely go the different direction and change. And I think if anybody wants to do that, you really can. It's hard. Like it takes a lot of time. But once I you know, got that in my head that it's not going to happen overnight – I'm going to have to put in the work, and there's no shortcuts. That's all the kind of mindset I needed to make it to that point to change. What was rock bottom? Rock bottom was just me being uncomfortable with myself, looking at myself in pictures and not liking it, not being able to fit into clothes, having to buy new clothes because they didn't fit anymore. Now I have, like, the opposite problem where stuff like fits me baggy, and I had to get, like, smaller sizes. But, yeah, that was the worst feeling. Are you still proud of it? Yeah. Where's, where's the medal? Uh, it's in my backpack, I think. It's they, in my pocket. <laughs> they even gave me like a jacket that I thought looked kind of douchey. I don't know if I'm going to wear it. <laughs> Does it say I ran a marathon? It says like marathon finisher. Yeah. But I couldn't imagine myself wearing it. <laughs> I might wear it once. Well, congratulations. Thanks. And as we talk about like endurance things, Lindsay, Lindsay L., the uh, recording artist uh, that I have also made out with, Oh uh, my goodness. <laughs> Lindsay played guitar for 24 hours straight one time and sang on the street corner. And so, again, it was one of those things like whenever you started, and this is a completely different kind of endurance thing, you, and your cause was you decided to do it for what? For a hospital? Yeah, I was raising money for Children's Vanderbilt. So her thing was she was going to sit out there and play guitar and sing for 24 hours straight. And it was like, okay, you might die. I mean, I never thought I would die, but originally when we were all talking about the idea, I was kind of thinking, okay, 10 hours or something, we'll, we'll go and set up and, and you know, raise some money for the kids. And then when somebody threw out 24 hours, I was like, oh boy, what did I just get myself into? And it turned out being like such an amazing day. And Do you remember it all? I do. I remember... Like the last hour specifically was was the hardest, and I thought that my hands were going to be sore from playing guitar for that long because I I played I took five minutes every hour to you know drink water, do what I needed to do, and then I was playing the rest of the hour for twenty four hours straight, and so I thought my fingers were going to be really tired, and they were fine. It was just my voice, like from singing? I could barely speak. Yeah, the last hour I was. I was screaming, and you and Eddie were there. You and Eddie had all these artists that came down and sort of jumped in, and I would play guitar with them. And you and Eddie hung out with me for, like, the past few hours when I was so weak, and I was barely hanging on. So it started, though, at midnight? It started at 11 p.m., so 12 Eastern, when the single dropped. Okay, so it started at 11 Central. Yeah. So, and your goal was play 11 to 11. So 11, yeah. 11 p.m., 11 p.m. So you start playing... And you started by yourself, and you had to play through the first overnight. Yeah. Which probably was still kind of exciting and not... 
It was like I re- I remember two, three, four o'clock in the morning, and I remember you driving past me before the show started, and to make sure I was still alive. Yeah, there was nobody out there. Like <laughs> she's out on Broadway in Nashville, the big street, and she's just playing away. And I was going to work, so I drove by real slow. I was like, "You're gonna die!" Because I was driving to work. It was it was dark, <laughs> and so yeah, I, I do remember that. But. Um, we, it was like, it was rainy and cold and it was nasty, not huh? the nicest day. And I had like a little tent <laughs> that you set up when you go camping and I was standing under that. And then there were two police officers that, you know, were sort of watching me just because you never know what's going to happen at 2am on Broadway. And, um, I mean, it, it was crazy. Like people, people came throughout the whole day throughout the whole 24 hours and they would sit and listen to songs I had like buskers that people don't know who those are um, they're like musicians who play on the on the street and like open their guitar case or dancers or drummers or whatever and so there were buskers who would walk past and, and um, somebody would tell them what I was doing and they'd join in with me and we'd start jamming together and I mean TV stations came down and were like was all of that, when someone else would jump in, would that kind of re-energize you a bit when completely, somebody else would show up? Completely. And even all the artists who came down. I mean, you guys came down. Charlie Worsham came down. Lucy Silvis came down. Like, there was, I had 12 artists who came down and helped, helped me get through the day. And yeah, it was totally re-energizing. Who and just else sort of, came down? I remember Lucy and Charlie Worsham. They came and played together. They came and played together, yeah. Anybody else that I know that came? Because it, it seems like so long ago. Chuck Wicks came down. Sarah Beth came down. Um, April Cry came down. Um, gosh, it was forever ago. Megan and Liz came down. I remember when Eddie and I got there. I, after I got off work, it was like noon or something, right? She'd been going for, I think, 13 hours. And she was playing like two blocks from where I lived at the time. And I was like, I'm going to walk down there and see how, how she's doing. So I walked down there. And there were about 30 people gathered around, and she was just, (laughs) and I was like, oh, man, she's just halfway, and she's already exhausted. And it was like, oof. So when it, it, as evening came, and it started, I think it was a weekend, maybe a Friday night. Yeah. You started on a Thursday and ended on a Friday. Mm -hmm. Dusty, just get down. I'm trying to stop him from licking the chair. He's licked my whole chair, arms back. (laughs) Dusty, it's okay. So... I remember about 13 hours in, her being exhausted and going, man, she's really going to need something. I, I don't even know what it is. But I would also watch because they, they had it all on live stream. So I'd go home. I took a nap. And, and after I woke up my nap, I'd check if she was still going. Scope, yeah. And it was raining. It was pouring down rain. And you'd see people playing with her. That was my introduction to Lucy Silva's, though. Yeah, that's who's, true. Yeah, who's a friend now. And I was like, who is that girl singing with? And so Lucy amazing. and Charlie played together. Yeah. And so Eddie and I were like, hey, we're going to go down for the last couple of hours. And we went down and we took our instruments and just sang songs and played songs. And Lindsay played guitar. And and it, about the last hour of it, I remember you just looking like death. <laughs> Thanks. No, I mean, I, I felt like I didn't know if I was going to make it or I thought I might be ruining my voice. Um, yeah, you were cra- your, your voice was, was cracking hard. I was hurting. And we had like an iPad. That was counting down the time, and I just kept looking at it, like willing it to, to keep going. But, um, but it was crazy. I think Brooke Eden came out too. I think. 
Man, I know Craig so Campbell was out there because I was out there, and yeah. he and he and we talked to each other and and like hung out. By the end of the night, there were so many people crowded around that little tent that they had to block off one of the lanes on the street of Broadway just because people were going out into the street and they wanted it to be safe for them. And that was the most inspiring moment. Like, I will I will not forget counting down those last 10 seconds. And I remember you were holding the iPad. I just wanted to stop it right now. I'm such like, a time person. And I, I, was cry, I was ready to cry because I was so exhausted. And but, I I stopped it right at twenty four oh oh. I grabbed it. I was like it, I was like she has to get a picture with twenty four oh oh because twenty four oh one sucks and twenty three fifty nine sucks. So I everybody's like ten nine. And as soon as twenty four boop stop. And then I handed it to her and she just like somehow whittled a smile out of her face. It was just like m- melted in just exhaustion. <laughs> And she was like, eh. she took a picture of it. And then I was like, okay. She was like, oh, and it was over. And then everybody kind of grabbed her. And then you're able to say you played for 24 hours straight. That's crazy. I remember going into it too. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if if I can play that long and not break at all. And you really inspired me to keep going i didn't do anything we just showed up and sang songs no i mean from the beginning of it like at the time we were just friends but you were like you can do this you can do this you can do this you can do this so yeah you can do it until you can't <laughs> that's, it's always that's my thing like give, give it a run <laughs> you can do it you can you can do it you can do it so while you're here because last time you were here you didn't have any music has it been that long ago she didn't have any music right no like, and that's crazy. There's an older Bobby cast with Lindsay where it's the first time, I, I guess when we first started dating. Where we get up close and personal. Yeah, it was more of a personal one. <laughs> I mean, they. I think we we learned about you and like your background and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, I don't think we, none of this new music was out. True, I guess so. That's crazy. Lindsay put out an EP, which means it's not a full album. It's like an extended play, not mm-hmm. a single not an extended play. Not a long play. Not a long, it's the middle. <laughs> so it was only six so songs, confusing. but it was six songs, and they were all digital. You could download them on iTunes or iHeart, All Access or Spotify, wherever you want to get them. But, so now you have all these songs here, and it's called Worth the Wait. So I'm going to click into it here. And so, can you talk about what, what's in single? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. so I mean, I, I haven't officially announced it, so I guess this is the first place. Can you? Yeah. So, Lindsay has a new single that will be coming to radio in June? May? May 30th. May 30th. Yep. Okay. So, if it's after May 30th and you hear this, hey, look at that. <laughs> but it's not yet. So, what's the name of the single? It's called Waiting on You. Waiting on You. All right. Let's hear a little bit of Waiting on You. What's not to like about this new love thing? Midnight kiss the slow dances in the rain But you got my heart beating fast yeah. Where this is going, baby, I can't say Every time you leave me, I just want you to say But I, I gotta know where you stand Like the dry ground, waiting for the rain to fall down. 
So how is that? That's your first single. Are you happy about that? It's so crazy. I mean, it's the past few months. Um, I've been working with Christian Bush in the studio, and I feel like I've finally made a record that's me. It's it's crazy to have music that I'm proud of. And here comes the chorus again. Three, oh two, one. So at the end of this is like a four-minute guitar solo, too. It's are you playing lengthy. the guitar? I am. Okay. I think everybody always wants to know, because you're a guitar player, like, are you the one actually playing on the track? That was my one thing, and that, and that was the amazing part about Christian. He was like, I just want you to sit in the studio with your guitar, and we'll surround you with music. And it it makes so much sense, but I just have never done that. You know, I record a live band in the studio, and just like Mike D said, when it was the first thing he did that he was proud of, like, this is really the first music that I've recorded that I'm really proud of. And I have to say, watching Mike D cross that finish line was so crazy. Like it sent chills up and Typical down Lindsay. my spine. She didn't want to talk about herself. She <laughs> wants- <laughs> and over there and it was so amazing. It was so amazing. Typical Go Lindsay. Go Mike. So this is your guitar part here. I'm about to play. This is you playing. It is. All right, here we go. Let's hear it. Everybody can download that song. So you put a John Mayer song on this. Yeah. Stop this train. You recorded all this, all instruments, all this is you on a computer, right? Yeah. Um, part of the process of getting the sound for the record, Christian Bush asked me. He was like, "What's your favorite record?" And I'm like, "Well, Continuum by John Mayer." I'm one of the biggest John Mayer fans. My like, second, not that I, I mean, know. I don't know. We'd be we'd be neck and neck. We'd be neck and neck. But um, but he's like, okay, perfect. I want you to go record the whole record. And I looked at him blankly, and he's like, only rules are you have two weeks. You need to play all the instruments. And you need to do it in your office. Go. And then for the next two weeks, I cleared my schedule, and 8 a.m. to 3 a.m. I recorded Continuum and put it in my own voice. And it was crazy. I've listened to this record so many times, and it's just when you need to recreate something in your voice, you just learn it in a different way. And it inspired me in a different way, and I learned so much about the way John Mayer plays guitar that I thought I knew, but I didn't know at all. I learned about how I play guitar, and most importantly, I learned how I love to hear a band record in the studio, which really helped us get the template of how to record Worth the Wait. 
So let's just play all the instruments here. And me, I'm playing, but you don't know, but I'm. <laughs> One generation's length away. And this isn't in a big studio. This is you on a computer. Well, yeah, with, with Stop the Strain, it was the exact continuum project, as we call it, work taste that, that I made with, like, not all the guitars are in time in my janky little studio setup, but it, it just was a moment. And actually, worth the wait, the song Worth the Wait on the EP was my demo that I did in my little office too so I I played everything and I sang everything and, and we tried to record re-record Worth the Way with the band but it just didn't capture the magic like sometimes you just record a song at the right time when you can sing it with the right emotion and you can't recreate that so second. two of these songs Worth the Way which you wrote and South This Train which is a John Mayer song you just recorded into your computer on your own and it's, that's just what it is like it's, it's just, not Big Fancy it Studio is. it's not Big Fancy Studio it's just from my heart to the microphone and me putting on random instruments and playing with weird sounds and just making music. I'm so scared of getting older. I'm only good at being young. And you never had the plan to put this on anything, right? Never had the plan to put it on so anything. So whose idea was it? That it's like, hey, this, this continuum, this John Mayer, something from it should go on the record. I mean, I'm so happy that through talking... Dusty's back through talking with the label that they were like you know what we think this should be a part of the EP we think this should be you know a part of the story and and Lindsay can talk about it and I'm just so grateful that they let me put it on because it really was a part of the process you know recorded from my hundred dollar microphone in my office and it just it paved the way my favorite song ever Stop This Train by John Mayer (laughs) I even had I have the lyrics of it in my kitchen, but there was no like they did they come to you and say hey we think this is the song to put up. It you didn't just, pick it because it's my favorite song. I didn't, and I even know that, and I wish I would have done something as sweet as that to <laughs> pick your favorite song. But it was just the song when I recorded the whole record. Like my favorite song on Continuum is Slow Dancing in the Burning Room, but I love Stop the Strain. It's it's do we up have there. our whole Continuum record up here on this computer? Let's see what you have. So no, 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 no. We can't. I'm not gonna play all of it. <laughs> oh I just my me, goodness! I have the whole thing on my computer. Obviously, it's on my desktop. Let's do all okay, the time. Okay, but I give these things to you in trust. That you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, You're not kidding, but that's okay. She, Lindsay came to me last night. She was like, "I was taking notes on the last Bobbycast <laughs> where you were saying because I was talking about our relationship and how yeah, 90, it got ninety-eight percent is good and two percent is like ugh." I know, and I was like, "Thanks for for saying." Dating me is like, ugh. No, I did not say that. What I said was like <laughs> 2% of the time at 98 is awesome. So, no, I want to talk more about you. Hey, don't sidetrack me. So, But I did have notes. She did. She yeah. I have notes on this podcast. <laughs> and so, that's the same, same song. We'll just run with that one. So, uh, so okay, two of these. That one you recorded in your, in your office on a computer and, and then mm-hmm. Worth the Wait, which is what the whole record is called too. You did all this, all the instruments, everything a part of this. Not in a big fancy studio. No, it, it's with my one little tiny rig, one microphone. Just me. You keep saying that you ain't ready, so I keep hanging on. It's the same sad situation. I've been here and you've been gone. Who'd you write this with? I wrote this with Travis Meadows. By the way, I know the answer to all these questions. I'm just acting like I don't. Okay, who did you write Waiting on You with, by the way? Andrew DeRoberts and Adam Hamrick. 
So Lindsay and I were at dinner the other night. We went to a, one of the places where you, they cook it in front of you. Like, oh, hibachi. A hibachi girl, right? I've been to a hundred <laughs> hibachi girls and I'm still like, wow, every time. Every time. <laughs> they make like the volcano of yeah, the yeah, onion yeah. Like, and they're again, like playing with the egg, like tossing it. <laughs> Since I was like 13, our church, they take us as part of the church group and I'd be like, oh, still. Like two weeks ago, went to a hibachi girl. I was like, oh my God, fire right in front of It's amazing. Yeah. We and, were Snapchatting though. Oh yeah, we're, we're, they're the biggest idiots. Like we've seen this thing fifteen times. We're like, is he gonna throw the onion in his pocket? <laughs> he did. So we're at, uh, they, they just figured out this was gonna be the single, waiting on you. And so Lindsay texted one of the writers, Mike D. And then so the other one, I've met, but Lindsay Lindsay's written really knows him. But I met him from Arkansas, and he's a fan of the show. And so. I was like, I just sent him a note out of nowhere. He didn't have my, my number. And I was like, hey, man, it's Bobby Bones. You good? How's, how's it going? And he's like, Bobby? I'm good. How are you doing? How, I'm surprised you, you texted me. I was like, hey, man, I'm just checking on you. I was like, hey, do you have anything on the radio right now? Like any songs? And he goes through like this whole catalog. He's like, well, I've got the Dan and Chase song, uh, which is... Uh, how not to. How, it's so good. Because I don't know how not to. And he Take mentioned another one from, I think, Jacob Davis or... Or one of the Davis bro. Anyway, he's going through the whole thing, and it's like, oh, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. And I was like, well, check your check your phone again. And so Lindsay texts him and goes, hey, you have this the new single waiting on you. And so that was the way to like <laughs> tell him that he got the single because it's a big deal to get the single, right? And so then he texts back, he goes, I feel so stupid. I was listening to my entire catalog of songs on the radio, and all you were doing was like trying to tell me that waiting on you was going to be the radio single. And this thing sold exceptionally well I think way better than crazy. anybody predicted completely we just wanted to get new music out and be like hey this is me and this is the truest version of me I've ever made and it was crazy we were like number eight yeah number think, eight of of all and records. without any CDs in Walmart or Target without and anything like uh, uh, nothing on the radio nothing you're right nothing on the radio and then no hard copy, which is half of sales in country still. Right. And, and other formats are different. They're way more digital, and country's slowly getting that way. But half of country music's bought through hard copy, and this was still uh, number eight Yeah, that, that week. So That's crazy. That, yeah, that's really cool. Hmm. I think that's good. I think I think we're good. This, this is a song Leslie has called Criminal. There you go. <laughs> I've heard the song about 500 times and I've heard it recorded like 10 different ways. And finally, it's like, cool. What up? This one took us a, a bit. Like, we've recorded it a bunch of times and sometimes it just it, it takes a minute to figure it out. I'm a tiger pissing my cage, cocked like a tool cage, feeling like a teenage crush. You're the rush. You're the habit I can never get enough of. write that with I wrote this with Fred Wilhelm and Chris Stevens so Mikey have any questions for Lindsay we see her all the time it's kind of weird to I don't know I mean there's a whole other one of these too if you like want to hear like the inside scoop but we're I guess we've been together now like 10 months or so do you know how long we've been together 
Um, yeah. You do know? <laughs> yeah. It was June 26th. That we did what? 26. Like, she in Canada. She had like an Arkansas accent. we like officially started dating? June 26th. But we officially started dating or we put it online? Oh, no. We didn't put it online until October. Okay, so June 26th. We're almost... Is the uh, online date the official No, date? no, no, no. If you know a date, I'll just go with that because I don't <laughs> know what date... What, and I said this in the last one, like, Lindsay sent me a copy of uh, Worth the Wait, and I was like, okay, I, have, I guess I have to date you now. Because she, like, she sent me, like, a work tape of the song that she had written. I guess I have to date you now. <laughs> I, 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 fought it, you. I fought it forever, and I was like, oh, man, you how can I not? saying that you ain't ready, so I keep hanging on. It's the same sad situation I've been here and you've been gone. Selling hope. Well, because people always, and I never I mean, know the okay, answer. If you want to dissect the lyrics, because what what happened? Lindsay sent me this work tape, and she's like, and I was like, wow, the song is amazing, and I'm fighting it. And yeah. if you're cool with dating me and all the bad things and the good things that come from it, just professionally, which I was worried about because I don't want anybody penalizing her other companies, for, like because she's dating me. I was like, there's a lot of crap that's gonna come from dating me, like for sure. But there's some good stuff too, like for example. Being on the Bobbycast. That's right. Right now. Uh, what do we decide I was good at, Mike? See, that's what I was going to say. Support? Yeah. Yeah. Supportive. So, I'm supportive. That's all we had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, all, that's all we could come up with. <laughs> but, so, what does that line mean? You, you keep, keep selling, selling hope, hope like candy to a baby. Just like candy to a baby. So, candy to a baby, I mean, who doesn't love candy? But especially babies, you know. Okay. It's like, just a little bit, just enough to like keep enticing you. So I was selling candy to a baby. No, you were like, you were basically giving me enough hope to keep holding on. No, it was, it would be awesome (laughs) if we could, but we can't. Well, that's, that's, it's just a subjective opinion, you know? And not because I didn't want to, because I thought it'd be bad for you. And it still may be terrible for you. I mean, still maybe. I guess we'll see. No, that's not what you're supposed to say. You're supposed to be like, no, it's going to be great. Today, <laughs> we, we're on FaceTime, and Lindsay was coming back from uh, rehearsal because she's going about, about to go back out with uh, Paisley. And she, she'd been rehearsing for, I guess, five or six hours. She goes, I look terrible. And I was like, yeah, you know, I mean. I was like, like <laughs> that's not what you say to a girl. <laughs> she didn't say, how do I look? And I would have been like, I think you look good considering you've been playing for six hours. But she was like, that no. would have been a perfect answer. No, no, no. But she said, I think she, she was like, I, I look terrible, don't I? Or I don't look, and I was just like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even say the don't I. I, was, I just I said, just, I look terrible right now. I just now. try to tell the truth. That's all I try to do. <laughs> and I didn't think you looked terrible. I just thought, okay, if you feel terrible, then cool. I mean, you look fantastic right now. No, as you look good. As a boyfriend, it's good for like a little bit of encouragement. Do you want to go over the notes from the last Bobbycast? I don't think I do because I don't care. You can say whatever you want. How'd, how would you I grade? Our, what do you have? Your phone? I need to pull up my notes. Oh, she literally okay. took notes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're they're not. They're All right, not, let's um, go. Where are we out of time, Mike D? We're at forty minutes. Okay, we're oh, about boy. to run out of time. Go ahead. What are the notes? Okay, well, just. But you have to understand. I just say what I think, even if I oh, know you're going to hear I it. Know you I do. just say it. I don't. And I love that. I love that about you that you say what you think. Most of the time at a microphone. Most of the time when I'm not there. But so, what are you trying to say? I don't say things to you. No. Well, I I learn the most about you from listening to the show. 
or listening to the podcast. Well, that's also where I talk the most. I completely agree. I don't talk that much when we're... But you also have a way of opening up in front of a microphone more than you can open up in front of a human being, even me. And I know that, and I've known that about you for a long time, and I'm completely fine with that. But that's why, even if I miss a minute of the show, I will go back and listen to it. Because I feel like that's a part of you that I missed out of. What part? The obnoxious part of the fights with people? No, it's just I never know when you're going to say something in the show or say something in a Bobbycast that will let me learn about you. And I think that is one of the Maybe you don't ask enough questions. most important things mm-hmm. in a relationship. Oh, I ask questions, all right. Sometimes they, sometimes you don't want to ask them. But, but I think that's one of the most important things in a relationship is just wanting to keep learning about each other. And so I, I wish you like, had a show then so I could listen and learn. <laughs> I mean, I... I listened to the words. Okay, there you go. Of your songs. You listen through song right, read me your notes because I feel uncomfortable so I'm making jokes. So go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Um, so you said life is less productive and oh, harder. Sure. Yeah, wouldn't it in the production part of life? <laughs> I said because we're together, I'm way less productive. And I, Lindsay and I had the talk like you can't stay here long and as much. Yes, and I, I'm completely fine with that because thankfully... And I think it was one of the reasons why we got along so well because we were both very busy and we both sometimes take on more than the average person should. And so we just work all the time, 24-7. So when you're like, I need a few nights a week to to work and write for your book and everything, I'm like, that's totally cool because I need a few nights to practice and catch up and blah, blah, blah. So I'm totally fine with that for sure. But... um I mean, in the summer, I'm going to be gone for like three weeks at a time. That's You're going to get so much writing head. done. That's the thing she keeps holding <laughs> on my head. I was like, hey, listen, we can't hang out as much. I'm not getting as much done. I just said, <laughs> I just said direct and to the point. Mm-hmm. Just go ahead and but rip the band But I am 100% fine with that. But yeah. and then she's like, you know, I'm going to be gone for like four weeks at a time in the summer. <laughs> a couple times. We're never going to see each other. So, and I'm like, that's okay. Like, like I still have to get stuff done right I'll, now. I'll be. Okay, go ahead. I'll be fine. Um, okay, so why is it harder it's, it's, it's harder to get things done. That, that, it was in the same sentence. Hmm. Like, it's okay. harder to get as much work done. That's all. Same exact thought. Okay. Good. Um, why are sometimes relationships like, ugh? Like, 98% of the because time, you it's have to, fine. And 2% of the time, it's I didn't say it was fine. I said, said it was awesome. You, said, you see actually, how she's it's taking my probably, words? No, no, hey, I'm just, I'm just saying, in fact, it's probably a little bit less than 98% of the time. Yeah, 98 is a really high part. I mean. And 98 is A plus, basically. Yeah, that's a, that's an A. But you said it was it was actually probably less. Okay, ninety seven point. It's a hard A. So <laughs> hard I think any relationship is a lot of work. And yeah. whenever I don't get good good sleep because you're hogging the bed, or hey, we've been over this. No, there's nothing to get over. She's like, I'll sleep over here and then I won't get as close. And then all of a sudden I'm halfway hanging off the side of the bed, or my neck hurts because that's the little things. Okay. That's the 2%. That's it? Is there anything else? Because, I mean, I can just stay See, on the go. far side <laughs> of the bed. This is what happens when you talk honestly. People start to be like, well, okay, yeah. well, I can do that. No, I was just being honest. And I said a lot of it, 98% of it was great. And the two, it's, ugh, it's like, okay, what I, else I don't go there? to sleep on time when you're here. Okay. I don't sleep. Basically, I just sleep. Basically, just sleep. Basically, just sleep. Well, I just want to know what I need to work on. What else? You have to take any more notes? 
Why do you have like 10 pages of notes? There? I mean, this is just where I keep all my notes. Um, <laughs> okay, so yeah, you don't get as much good sleep. Yeah, that's that was one of my notes. So when you were like... The thought of sharing anything else, yeah, like a, like a bank account, it's crazy. Dude. It's just so weird. It does. To you. Say, I've never done it. If you, ha- what about being in the jungle in Africa? Does that seem weird to you? Like standing right in the middle of a jungle in Africa? Yes or no? Does it seem weird to you? Yeah, because okay. I've never done it. Because you never done it, right? Do you know how weird it is? But it's for- like weird, exciting. I just first of all, we, we decided we settled <laughs> on weird. I've never ever had someone else in like my personal things. Like yeah. my, my checking account, my bank account, my any my what anything that's weird. It's like being put in the jungle in Africa. Like maybe the lion eats you. I mean, or maybe it's just beautiful and it, and it could and maybe it could awesome. be. But that's why it's weird. I, when something's never happened to you, it's a completely foreign concept. You're like, whoa, how does that happen? So it's just weird, as in you've never felt it. It's not weird, as in you're scared. Both. <laughs> What's the dog eating? He's chasing his tail. Oh, the, the dog. The dog only hangs out during certain shows. And the dog is definitely <laughs> in the room right now. Uh, okay, do you have any more notes? Um, oh, and then just, I thought it was funny how lunch was like, I don't know what personality I would want to date more, yours or Amy's. Yeah, we're very different. But that's what makes this show so great. Yeah, and Amy's also awesome. Yeah, she is. So... She's perfect. It, well, she's not. She's definitely not perfect. Trust me. Been with her for many years. <laughs> definitely not perfect. But her heart is perfect. Yeah, she has. She has a great heart. Okay, so Mike D, congratulations. Go Mike. What's the next goal for you? Is there a goal, or, or is it like you know? I did that. I'm going to hold up. Now it's time to just move on to a different part of the pie. I was thinking about that today. I am going to think of another goal. I have to be working towards something. I mean, that's how I feel too. Like yeah. I've always, I need something on the horizon to walk toward mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Even with fitness for me, mm-hmm. and I try to stay fit. If I don't have a goal, it's hard for me just to go to the gym. And I try to go go to the gym every day I can. Every day, I hate it. I hate it. I hate exercising. I hate working out. But I need something to be there. Um, so yeah, I hope you find that goal. But my D just got first time ever full time on the radio. That's so awesome. interned to. Working as a part timer on the weekends at iHeart in Austin, and then when it was time for there to be a job to fill, I called. I was like, Mike D, you gotta, I gotta have a job for you, buddy. And so, and I think it was even weird to you that I still cared enough to remember you after t- three years yeah. to be like, Hey, dude, you need to come back and come work with us. Yeah. Was that was that weird? Yeah, dude, it felt like you know. Private parts when he brings Fred back. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, Mike came over, and now then Mike was part time Monday through Friday, just answering phones, and now we're about to launch this whole new show. But it'll be my, I guess, my third, fourth show. The, there, there's the morning show, there's the weekend countdown, there's the Bobby Cast, and there's the unknown fourth show that'll be out soon enough. And Mike's gonna produce that show and it'll be on the radio. That's so awesome. But um. Yeah, so Mike's full time. Mike was just working. Oh, he was just working hours and hours and hours and hours. And, like, and I, I kept telling him. I told him forever. I was like, dude, I don't know what's going to happen, but I promise you it will happen. Like, if you just work, it may take three years or it may take three months. If you just work, if you're good enough, eventually it will happen. It may not be on the time scale that you want it to be on, but if you're good enough and you work hard enough, it will happen. And he just hung in there. That's it. And, you know, He's still going to answer phones because we can't afford anybody else. But 
that's, that's part of the deal. But Mike's gonna have, he has his own. He's producing this, and this has turned into a thing. So, uh, yeah, congratulations. It's good. Thank you. Um, and Lindsay, you, you're out. You're gonna be on tour all summer, working on more music. Yep. I mean, what is there to say? I've I've done a lot of songwriting. You really hit you. the home run in life. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these songs have been inspired by yours truly over here. It'll be weird whenever after we break up, all these songs. Okay, I hate when he makes those <laughs> jokes, Mike. When he makes those jokes, it drives me crazy. It's not funny. But I'm just saying. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I would encourage you if you heard this, you go back and listen to the original when Lindsay came in on. It was actually about Lindsay as an artist and as a person and. Uh, her background, so I, it's one of the, I don't know, it's one of the earlier episodes. 18. A, episode 18. Mike listens to it every day. He knows Dang. it. Yeah, yeah. Mike. It's his favorite. Uh, so, okay, that's it. Thanks to One Hundred Flowers. Thanks for listening to the Bobbycast. The, we are, uh, we'll do this one, and we'll try to get another one on this week if we can, but we're going to Austin. We'll be working from Austin for the rest of the week. We don't have the same setup or any of our artist friends, but we know Karen Fairchild from Little Big Town is confirmed to come in. When is she a couple weeks? A couple couple weeks away um yeah we have a bunch of people coming in so this has actually become a weird thing where everybody wants to talk about it we were at stagecoach and everybody was talking like all the artists managers agents were like i was listening to bobby cast with such such i was bobby cast just it i was like what so anyway everybody listens thank you mike d thank you at mike distro d-e-e-s-t-r-o mm-hmm. on the socials at Lindsay l Lindsay e-l-l which I've had her spell it in my phone wrong for since I met her and never knew, never knew it till this weekend. I know, and it always kind of bugged me, but I was like, whatever, maybe he just doesn't care to change it. I had it spelled E L L E. No idea. I had no idea. I was like, it's like French. Yeah, I was. We were at stagecoach, <laughs> no and I was like, Lindsay's name is spelled wrong. Did somebody t- do this? Wrong? She, she was like, no, it's always been that way. I was like, ah, never noticed. Yeah. All right, Lindsay E L L. Lindsay L. Download worth the wait. And, uh, download. Uh, that's the name of the EP. And download waiting on you. And uh, that's it. We'll see you next time. Thanks. See you on the Bobbycast uh, soon. Bye.